Welcome to episode 32 of Iron Man Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Right there guys, so welcome along to episode 32 of Iron Man Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Isles. How you going, mate? I'm good. I'm happy. It's raining outside this week, and last week was beautiful. Oh, we had a big week training last week, and we had beautiful weather for the week, and then it's gone to shit this week, but we don't care. Yeah, good stuff. Anyway, um, this week's show, what do we got? What do we got? What do we got? We've got our news. We've got quite a bit of news. We've got the races from Florida and Australia 70.3. We've got a few other races coming up this weekend. We have our website of the week, age group of the week, high five is on part two. Part two, after Bevan's appointment with the doctor. Oh, I'll tell you about that experience later. It wasn't a happy experience. Um, uh, Coach's Corner. We got, we're going to have two topics today. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. So we're having uh, Nookie. There's a bit of hide the sausage. No. <laughs> good, good before races on the hide. <laughs> Then part two, part two oh. is gonna we're gonna it's gonna be a, a two part series. We did actually get a question on this. This wasn't our initiative to bring this one forward. Exactly. I'm sounding a bit crusty today because I've been bloody teaching aerobics. So, uh, question and answer times, and we're going to announce our sponsor. Okay, very so good. It's a very exciting time. So, anyway, we had a big race on this weekend. I'm in Florida, and we love it. We love it. Friends of the show doing well. Friends of the show doing well, and we're going to talk about the chicks first because she's a friend of the show. Uh, so Bella Comfort took it out. Yeah, Pre- pretty impressive. Good fourth, time. Fourth time victory. One by twelve uh, minutes. Yeah, uh, very good. Fourth time she's won there. Um, really rounded up with a very very solid run. Uh, you know, Bella's by her own, own mission, not a super duper swimmer. So she came out in 50, 58, 27. Rode pretty solid. Five fourteen looks uh, like, like that's probably the fastest bike split actually there, or around about the fastest equal. Yep. Uh, and then pulled it off a three eleven, which you know that's a pretty it's, solid. Yeah, run. it's pretty decent, um, isn't it? Yeah, we know, we know the course in, in Florida is pretty quick, but you know a marathon's a marathon. The, the, the bike is what's usually a little bit quicker or a little bit slower. Yeah. Um. So you know, great run there. Three eleven finished with a time of nine hours twenty eight. It's the fourth time she's won Florida now, so mm. that's pretty impressive as well. Fantastic. I mean, sure, it's it's not the world's strongest field, but that's a really good time. You yeah. Know, 9.28, yeah. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and a 12-minute victory is, is pretty solid. So mm. fantastic race for Bella, and great way to cap off the year for her. Pretty close racing for second, third, and fourth. Mm. <coughs> had old Hilary Biscay. Well, that was close. I hadn't actually had yeah. a good look at that. So in second place, we had Carol Sharpless, who's a you know, fantastic swimmer. She was 21st out of the swim in 54 minutes. Rode about the same time as Bella, or just a bit slower than Bella, 5.16. Yep. Um, but obviously not such a good runner, 3.24. Yep. She finished in 9 hours 40.22. Just holding off Biscay. Hillary Biscay. 15 seconds. Yeah, yeah. 15 seconds. Hillary Biscay must have been screaming down her on, on the run. Um, well, we're not quite sure. Maybe they were running together and, and she's, the other girl surged away. But uh, yeah, 9.40.39. So um, very, very close racing. And then only another minute back, uh, just over a minute back to third place. Uh, you can do that one, better. Okay, Tamara... Kozulinda. Kozulina. 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 And she was back in 9.41 and still very close all the way through. 9.43 for, for fourth for Andrea Fisher. 
Amanda <coughs> Lovato, 946. So, you know, uh, six minutes covering second through six. So, really exciting racing on the girls' side of things. It's um, strong racing overall because to get that, like, we've got eight girls under 10 hours, which yeah, is pretty good you know, for is. the female field, isn't it? Very, very good. Yeah, so it's really good. On, on the male side of things, it was pretty exciting because we had a, a new guy who won, who'd never done Ironman before win the race. Jan Raphael. Raphael. Next to his name, he's got one, one, and one. For yes, the really, ranking. from start to finish, which is pretty cool. Fantastic. Now, um, I was reading a thing on one of the websites this morning and they're saying that he wasn't Olympic size guy but he'd never really done amazingly well and uh oh right yeah yeah he, i think he'd done quite well at like the uh, university olympic world yeah. champs or something but i think his best place in an itu race was like 15th or something so and so he thought well i must give these long courses he didn't see that he could make the 2008 olympics with the because he's german mm-hmm. and that uh with you know with the germans they already had a couple guys so he thought bugger i'll give long course a try and it's obviously a good move very good move you wow. know that's impressive your very, first race very solid all round um yeah, just just a good solid race. A good, you know, obviously first out of swim, first out of the bike, first out of the run shows he's a nice balanced athlete. Yep. Um, eight twenty two, pretty quick time. I think uh, when I had a look at the race, uh, I think the course record there is only eight nineteen. Do you want to scroll down that page yep. there for a second? Yep. Uh, keep scrolling, keep scrolling, keep scrolling. Yeah, so the course record is only eight twenty one by Spencer Smith in uh, in two thousand and one. So. That's a pretty fast time. Yeah, wow. That's pretty good. Uh, so and if you look at the guys on the list here, you've got Luther Leader, Jason Shorters, Tim DeBoone. You've got good names doing slower times than him. Exactly. So, uh, fantastic debut. And uh, obviously, that's going to qualify him for Hawaii next year. This um, is another German, isn't it? Another German. He's to look 25. Out well, this could be the next one. This could be the next one. You heard it first. Well, you probably didn't hear it first, but <laughs> well, well, you did. We'll claim it. <laughs> you may have read it somewhere else, but you heard it first. <laughs> and uh, Eduardo Sturler from, I think he's from Argentina, uh, got yep. second. Uh, A Brazilian, here. I think. Brazilian. Yep. Yeah. And I think he may have won uh, Ironman Brazil before. Mm. Uh, 2001. So so good good result by <laughs> I've him. been doing my P's this week. <laughs> we should be out cycling. Bevan's had a bit of time to do his P's this morning. <laughs> Jim Vance was third. And Stephen Bayliss was fourth, uh, Bella's boyfriend. I thought um, it looks like he may have had some problems on the bike there because uh, yeah. he's usually a pretty reasonable biker, but he got um, hammered. So maybe he got some punches or something like that. Yeah. Because um, he only rode a, a 4.53 as opposed to the top guy who are riding 4.34, so a um, bit of a shame Stephen, he may have been uh, ranked a little bit higher than that if he didn't have those bike issues, which mm. we think he may have have. Yep, um, And then uh, Scott Curry in fifth place. We did have a few people bomb out, if you scroll down the bottom there, Lothar Leader uh, pulled out for, for some reason, he looked like he was having a pretty pretty ordinary day, he's usually a good swimmer, um, only came out in 54 minutes, uh, and then rode a 4.53, so... Uh, yep. He was obviously wasn't having a super day and called it a day. Mm. Reynard Tissink, but he didn't race again. Spencer Smith um, pulled out again. Uh, mm. He he swam right up there in the swim, 50 minutes. He would have was third Stay out of the swim. Yeah. Uh, so so who knows what happens there? Um, so yeah, a few of the big guns pulled out, but you know, nonetheless. Well, yeah, you've got to go and give it to Jan. 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 That, yeah. uh, you know, it's still a great time, isn't it? Yeah, so, so well, done. well done, everybody at Florida 70.3. Hopefully a few of you qualified for Hawaii next year and uh, countdown begins now. Mm. We had a big race in Australia with the 70.3. Now, this is, must be the the big official one, isn't it? Because they have a lot of halves. They have a lot of halves. But this is obviously the 70.3. So And it's a qualifier for next year's World, uh, world 70.3 champs. Yep. And uh, Tuban Sindaban. Oh, I shouldn't have even, shouldn't have even let you <laughs> Tjorborn Cinderbal. Tjorborn. Tjorborn Cinderbal um, took it out. He's an animal on the bike. Uh, we mentioned last week he held the bike course record up until 
Hawaii. Uh, he set that in 2005. Um, so, so he really rode away from everybody and built up a, a nice lead and then really just sort of held on on the run. Jason Shortus was running him down all the time, but uh, he managed to hold on for a good victory there in 4.03.31. Jason Shortus was second in 4.05.23. And Josh Ricks was third. Jens, uh, he's an Australian. Jens Koford, uh, also from Denmark, uh, was in fourth. And Chris McDonald, who's another friend of the show, yep. was in fifth place. That's a really good race for Chris in 4.09, um, only six minutes behind uh, Chilbourne. So uh, good racing there. But probably on the Aussie side of things, it was a bit more surprising because uh, Belinda Granger, who raced Hawaii uh, only a couple of weeks ago, backed it up. And, yeah, she uh, got Hawaii came, cool. She got uh, seventh or eighth, something yep. like that. So a little bit off, off par for her. Um, but she had a really tough race. I think she got a good lead on the bike, and then she was getting run down all the way on the run by uh, Lisa Marengan, uh, also another Aussie girl. So there's only uh, 30 seconds in it at the end. Uh, Belinda Granger won 4.35.55. Uh, Lisa Morongan. Morongan. I'm good at that. Uh, 4.36.26. Angie Sharp was third. Charlotte Paul was fourth. And Kelly Jarrett was uh, fifth. All Australians, uh, all Australians in the top ten by the look of it. Yeah, um, and we had a Kiwi guy in the top ten over and over there. We had Andrew Mackey in tenth place. Who we've never heard of, have we? No, but I think he may have led out of a swim. So um, I, I haven't heard of him before. Maybe a Kiwi living over there. I'm not quite sure. Oh, good on him. Um, okay then. So what else have we got on for upcoming this weekend? We've got Silverman, which is really exciting, isn't it? Because this is the one that um, Tyler Hamilton Tyler is Hamilton going, racing in. going head to head with Bjorn. Oh, uh, Bjorn doing it, is he? Yeah, Bjorn's got a team, a uh, team Sweden. Oh, really? um, so unfortunately, I, I went onto the website and there wasn't really any information on what was, uh, you know, who was racing and, and in terms of the individuals or the teams. Yep. Um, but we do know that Tyler Hamilton's racing and he's got a pretty crack team. So I think they'll be the ones to beat. They've got a top swimmer and, and a top runner. So it works out you win $100,000 if you can beat eight hours, sub eight hours. That's right, okay. for, for, the, for the team. For and it's a tough course. <clears throat> Very tough course. Okay, so the question is, if you win, is there still prize money? It's a good question, and I don't know the answer. Well, I'm full of good questions. Yeah. No answers, but no. great questions. And I don't know if there's anything for second or if it's just winner takes all. Yeah. Um, Although so. you think, well, I suppose it's one of those things that if you can get it, it's 100 grand, isn't it? Exactly. Uh, we have a race over here called the Coast to Coast, which we've talked about a few times, mm. and we have a, a car on the line if you win it, and they make it really hard to yeah, yeah. wins it. Yeah. Um, but I read an article that Bjorn, uh, just a blog that Bjorn wrote somewhere the other day saying he has rode the course. And he says it's very, very tough. Yeah. Um, but he thinks, you know, uh, if the conditions are right, he thinks uh, you know, somebody will break eight hours. Wow, that's kind of um, cool. And so Team Sweden have got Bjorn uh, doing the, the bike, <clears throat> Jonas Colting doing the swim, and, uh, and then they've got a, a pretty decent uh, runner doing the run. So I think they'll have their work cut out. You know, Bjorn, I think, will probably match Tyler Hamilton, I would have thought, uh, yeah. if Tyler Hamilton hasn't been on the juice this year. <laughs> um, so we'll see what happens there. Well, it's uh, interesting, because I know with Hamilton's team, they had a 2.10 marathoner. So, mm, so mm, it's a pretty so good runner. That's pretty quite sharp. Bjorn was sort of saying, though, that you can really power through a lot of the hills. There's a lot of short climbs, um, but nothing that's really long that's going to affect your average speed uh, oh, okay. hugely. So yep. He's pretty pretty confident. Um, don't know who's racing on the individual side of things, um, but you know it would be great to see if, if they can go under under eight hours, and great to see some good money in the sport. Mm -hmm. Also, this weekend's big weekend for seventy point three. We've got the seventy three point three champs coming up, and we'd love to tell you about all the different pros <laughs> racing. Ironman.com has let us down. Yeah, not that they've ever done it before. <laughs> <laughs> they um they do have a list of all the athletes racing up there, so if you do want to check that out, that's fine. Um, but it's all all seems to be just sorted alphabetically, so. 
there was I think there was about fifteen pages of athletes and uh, yeah. and as much as we love to spend time preparing for the show, no, we, we prepare. I tell you, we weren't going to scroll through fifteen pages to find out which pros are racing. But I did have a quick look under um, L for Lessing, and I didn't see Simon Lessing's name. Um, okay. So I thought he was going to be the big uh, favourite for this race, um, but it didn't look like he was. There's uh, um, there's um, was it um, Terenzo doing it? Don't know. He's not doing the the race uh, this weekend, the World Cup in New Zealand, so he, he may well be doing it. Um, but he could be another one to watch. I think it'll really come down. It'll be a good uh, a good day for the runners. Yep. Because I think uh, you know first. the bike's going to be flat, fast, and and probably keeping things together. So we'll see what happens there. But it's uh, I'd love to be talking about this a bit more. Yeah. Um, looks like they are going to have pretty good live coverage on. So the it's day. the first year, isn't it? First year. So yeah. we'll, we'll let them off a little bit, but I suppose maybe they could have used your experience from other races to, mm. you know. And the series looks to be continually expanding. I, I noticed on the website uh, that uh, there's going to be another race in Canada, a 70.3 up there. So the series is spreading spreading far and wide. Yep. And uh, and hopefully that means next year, you know, it'll be um, a bit more prestigious. Yep. And, uh, and hopefully, you know, for, for the pro side of things, it's going to mean um, good money, good money racing. Yep. And uh, just lifting the overall profile of the race. Okay, so uh, this is a bit of a New Zealand only one, but the World Cup hitting New Zealand. Mm, Not, so yeah. the World Cup, ITU. hopefully our Kiwi boys are going to bring home the bacon. It's in New Plymouth. They have really good coverage uh, for anybody who is interested in short course racing on uh, triathlon.org. Yep, um, really good coverage. It's a good uh, website. Better than um, Kona coverage. It's live uh, all around the course. I mean, it's, it's, it's like Kona coverage. It's better than your standard sort of Ironman yep. um, race day coverage. So, so check that out if you want to see our Kiwi boys. The thing I ours. like about the internet is that a lot of these minor sports, which just don't get media coverage, yeah. you know, nowadays with the internet is really accessible for anybody. And that's, that's really cool. You know. Yeah, totally agree. Um, okay, so we've also got Miami Man half. Yeah, so the Miami Man. It's not any. You're not going to be any man. You're going to be a Miami Man. <laughs> you're going to be a Mi- no iron in Miami. No, so it's uh, the season's really closing out for the uh, Northern Hemisphere, and uh, obviously all the races are heading south. We've got the, the Decker Man, which we're going to talk about in a oh, moment, yeah. still in progress, and uh, all the races sort of in uh, around Cancun. They had a World Cup race at the weekend. Um, and then things going to swing down to Australia, and then we'll be swinging into New Zealand. And uh, Bevan and I will be opening up the accounts in the three weeks time. Oh yeah, bring it uh, on for a half Ironman. So uh, our summer's on the way. Bring it on. Okay, so Dicker Man, Dicker Man, we talked about last week. Yeah, so we talked about it. It was in Mexico, wasn't it? It's was in Mexico. It's in Mexico. And, and once we talked about, it, you got an email through from somebody. Yes, just about. It's <laughs> just about to have, have, have a bite of my biscuit. Yeah, <laughs> in his mouth. Had it in my mouth. I withdrew. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we had an email in from actually a guy I coach, uh, and he had a mate who did uh, not not the Decker Man in um, he did in Hakona in Hawaii, oh, Waikiki, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, so it yeah. must have been. Was that Oha, the island? Yeah, whatever the island's called. Um, we had a great report in. Oh, it's it's really good. I hope can we put it on the website? I better ask permission, but um, yeah. I, th- I think we probably can. Uh, we'll, we'll do it. A guy <laughs> called Tom, Tom Sawyer, and he did. Uh, I think it was two thousand and one or two thousand three. Yeah. He did uh, did the Hawaii Decker Man. Yeah, fantastic. Um, report. No, I think it must have been two thousand and four because he's talking about doing the Lanzarote in two thousand and five afterwards. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah, amazing. Just um, unbelievable what they do. He's talking about how he thought the what is it thirty two miles swim or something stupid like that. Yeah. Um, well, it must be 38 miles from, um, was going to be, you know, kind of easy, but, you know, your goggles basically start breaking to pieces yeah. and, and your skin, yeah, oh, yeah, it was, it's a really good report. He had to that, get his feet Vaseline going through the swim because they were sort of crinkling up all yeah, the time. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, so it'll be interesting to see actually with this Decaman that we're, we're talking about. It looked like from where I was looking at it from, you, you basically did an Ironman each day for uh, for eighteen for for ten days. Yeah. Whereas this one that he did, it was basically a continuous continuous um, one sort of you do the swim all together, you do all the bike together, and you do all the run together. Um, so bloody hard, and in that sort of heat, it would be just incredible. And uh, another thing that he said, they were getting a bit bored on the bike, and uh, and he ended up having uh, some sprint races with some, a couple of Italians, you know, 900 kilometres into the ride, they yeah. started every fourth lap, they'd have a sprint finish or something like that to try and keep themselves occupied. It's crazy, yeah, 1,800 kilometres, mm. not yeah, pretty much non-stop, saying basically that it's been going for how many years? 15 years, and only 61 people have ever completed it. Yeah, exactly. So, so He finished 11, <clears throat> 11th overall in 12 days, 20 hours and 21 minutes. Uh, yeah, and he says 29 starters and 19 finished overall, giving a total of only 61 finishes ever in the race's 15-year history. That's in 2004, but yeah. still. So that was uh, fantastic. So I will. Uh, How do you ask, train for that? Well, you can't really. I mean, you can, you can go really long, but yeah. you, you can't, it's not like you're going to do a race simulation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Honey, I'll see you next week. <laughs> but uh, you just go long and, and, and try to build up, uh, you know, be as durable as you can. And a lot of this sort of stuff is about uh, looking after yourself. And he says in his report that he went from a size nine and a half shoe on the run yeah. to size 13. And he said it was a big mistake to take his shoes off, yeah. wasn't it? He and should I, have just left them on. I said this to Bevan the other day on the bike. And he said, oh, that's ridiculous. Yeah, I, I didn't said, believe it. I was like, bullshit. I said, oh, maybe I got it wrong. <laughs> and I went back and read it. And said, yeah. that he increased by three and a half sizes during the run. That's unbelievable, isn't it? So, uh, yeah, fantastic stuff. Um, so the Decker Man, we haven't had a report, uh, but I did have a quick look at the website from uh, and the results from last year when they did a, a quintuplet um, race. Yeah. race, so yeah. that's five Ironmans back-to-back, and the winner did it in uh, three days, one hour and 18 minutes, and they had 16 men finish and four women finish. So, so they must only do the Decker Man every couple of years. Yeah, yeah. Mm. but uh, tough, tough day. Well, not tough, tough day, tough, tough Got a week. week. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So one of the cool things about the show is that uh, we're becoming popular and we've got, mm. we've got influence. And so people are coming to us with goss, but we can't name our sources because, no. you know. Goss is goss. That's right. So it's, we're, not, we're not confirming anything or denying anything, but we're just saying. <laughs> one of the things we um, received today, oh, well, during the week was um, apparently yeah, the, biscuit, the, uh, the biscuit was great. I managed to get it in this time. <laughs> um, apparently the WTC has been removed from the list of applicants on the WADA code. Um, so they don't seem to be... Uh, Appearing on the website, which means you know, if this is true, um, they don't need to go with you. They don't, don't necessarily have to, yeah, the adhere drugs. to their uh, the WADA standards. So I'm not quite sure what's going on there. So we might, uh, if anybody does know anything about that, it'd be be nice to sort of get some clarification on that. And basically, it means that WTC don't have to do drug tests if they don't want to, and if they do, they don't have to adhere to any standards um but most national federations uh, are associated with WADA and if you're mm. a professional athlete and a member of your uh national association then you'll still get tested regardless but it may just be the in racing testing that might not uh, necessarily uh come up to sort of scratch so but in I'm, New Zealand like for example you don't have to be a, a member of the tri club do you to do Ironman uh, well I'm not no you're not no you don't have to be mm. um it's interesting, but I was actually talking to Daniel McDonald, who's uh, Chris McDonald's brother, the other day, and he w- he had a number of random drug tests in New Zealand. Um, really? Yeah. So so definitely, we do get tested over here. Let's see, I've never been tested. But... Yeah. 
Maybe right. I've not fussed enough years. Yeah. <laughs> maybe when you enter as a pro, it may it may come. Oh, up. I have entered as a pro now, so maybe I will get tested. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Okay, um, and which is interesting because Dan's a good athlete, but he's not of that high level, is he? No, Daniel didn't get tested as pro. Oh, Chris. Yeah, okay, cool. Okay, cool. Okay, fair we'll, we'll, we'll just chat about our friends here. Yeah. <laughs> Don't <laughs> know um, Okay, and so the next bit of gossip we have is that Port this seventy point three in Australia. Yeah, could, yep. could be moving. Um, so this was a hot bit of gossip we got during the week, and apparently it may move to Geelong, Victoria in February 2008. Um, and some more news may have been announced over the weekend. So for your Aussies out there, um, keep your eyes and ears open for that, and the 70.3 might be moving. Into a different time of year as well, as well. Yeah. Mm, so there you go. Um, and also, uh, Pula Nubra-Fraser has well, moved up in the world. Yes, we had... Uh, Ironman North America is no longer. It's uh, changed its name. So there was a bit of this sort of filtering through a few weeks ago uh, with regards to, you know, uh, Ironman Kentucky not being being run by WTC, yep. not necessarily being run by Ironman North America. And now there's been some changes. So uh, Graham Fraser, who's the man behind Ironman North America, has changed the name of the business to North America Sports uh, Incorporated. And he has elevated himself to CEO. As you would. As you would. <laughs> and uh, Paul Newby Fraser, who apparently has been helping him out a lot, is uh, is also a big part of that. And uh, so a few changes there. And sort of reading between the lines, it looks like they may, uh, may be starting up more events in the future. And they yep. may not necessarily always be Ironman events. Um, oh, okay. That's just sort of what I was reading through there. Um, Which one, is a good thing, because we've talked about last week, we actually talked about how... Um, with regards to in America, how there are so few races mm. for the population. Yeah, and you know, and you know, Kentucky's already sold out. <clears throat> exactly, know, what, three weeks. Yeah, so uh, see what happens there. Um, one of the things Paul Newby Fraser sort of said in the, this press release is that one thing she's uh, got pretty ambitious about is continuing to raise money for charities and things like that. Um, I mean, I wish these bloody pro athletes that are involved in the sport are more focused on maybe trying to help out the pro athletes. Yeah, it's such yeah. a hard time themselves. Surely they can empathise with what, what athletes are going through. Uh, it seems a bit strange. You know, you, you look at the, the organising, not the organising committee, but a lot of the people that are, that are heavily involved in Ironman, you've got you know, Greg Welsh and Paul yep. Newby-Fraser and, and Paul Huddle and Jimmy Riccatello and all these people, um, yet there's, there's not a great deal of movement in the prize money. Mm. Um, and so I'd like to see uh, you know, better conditions for the athletes. But, you know, we can see what happens there. Yeah, they obviously don't listen to us. <laughs> yeah. Okay, and there's another bit of gossip. Now, this is maybe out there, maybe not. Um, basically, we got an email through from one of our sources. Oh, and, we've uh, got sources. <laughs> we've got sources. Oh. And uh, they got 80% true that maybe that the Ironman Corporation is talking about having a 14-hour cutoff. I just... I just... I fail, really cannot see that ever happening. Yeah, I do I do find it hard to believe, but yeah. hey, yeah, this source actually has got a couple of things right in the past, so um, <laughs> so there you go. So, but it would be interesting if it did happen. What does it, what dynamic does it change the sport? How does it well, change the sport? It, it could be, um, you know, maybe it, like we've talked about sort of championship races or something yeah. like that, then they may have a more of a strict cutoff, and, uh, but you know, for, for most Ironmen around the world, I just, I, I see that. If they did that, I think that would be a huge mistake. Yeah. <laughs> well, it makes them lose a lot of their profit because most the age groupers fall off the back, so and, I don't and, know. and that's a lot of the appeal is, you know, there are a lot of people in that bracket sort of between 13 to sort of 16 and a half hours, and uh, yeah. Well, let's see, let's see what happens. And, and for the people who are older, obviously, mm. you know, it just makes it unrealistic. Um, 20% true they've got here, Stradler and Mecca maybe going head to head in Australia. So that's 20% 20, true. That's so. only 20%. But the best one was 0% true, a Yank winning Kona next year. So yeah. 
It's Laugh out loud. Very, very true. Yeah. Um, you've also got down here the Tour de France route. Yes, so for you cycling junkies who are um, keen on that, that's the Tour de France route has been unveiled for 2007. I think it's going to be a very, very interesting race to see what's happened after all the drug scandals this year. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't think there'll be a, <coughs> a really clear... F- oh, dear, sorry. <clears throat> I just was resuscitate John from a choking on a biscuit. I'm back. I'm back. <coughs> um, but uh, just one other thing, if you are interested in looking at the... Uh, Tour de France website, go www.letour.fr and you can check out the route um, and it starts in England this, uh, next year, cruises around the, the central part of England and then has a stage I think from uh, London to Cambridge or something like that, um, so it should be cool. And uh, lastly Lance did sub three, sub just, three hours. just, yeah was it 2.59.36 or something like that. Ah, that's so. the thing in those big marathons, you have your, uh, you have your pacer, you know you have those um, People running around with big signs on the back of their heads. Oh, really? Who run at three-hour pace? So if oh, you want to break three hours, you, know you really. basically run with them, and they've got GPS on, and they they're running oh. exactly to three-hour pace. And then you just think, right, on the last couple of kilometres, I'm going to drop the Kick hammer yep. and uh, make sure I go into three hours. So maybe that's what he did. Well, I don't know if he did because he only just got into three hours. Mm. Yeah, he said it was a pretty hard day, so he got on him, but it's a pretty good, impressive effort. Mm. Pretty first time up. Okay then, so. Uh, Right, so we had a discussion for the week this week, and the discussion was kind of two discussions, and apparently I didn't actually write it properly <laughs> up on here. So, but anyway, what what we were trying to get across was uh, should the pros get paid more money, um, and, and and have Ironman Corporation got a, an obligation to do that? Yep. Um, and if the pros weren't there, would would that bother anybody? So you kick it off. You can have a. We want to give people a bit of recognition. People okay, well, Brian basically effort. came on and, and he basically said that um, that he did, he actually wasn't so much of a fan of the money thing for the athletes. He reckons yeah. that, that athletes can make money from their sponsors, which is kind of true, but it's only when you're at the top, top level that you're really getting good sponsorship money. Um, you know, you look at someone like Class, like he's doing all right because he lives in a small town, but exactly. But he's not going to come out the other side of this career, you know, because it is a career, mm-hmm. you know, even, you know, financially set up and... For the amount of effort and energy and time that athletes put in, you know, like, so, yeah. So, but his point is, you know, this, if you've got initiative, you can go to a sponsor and you make money that way. Um, yeah. So, so that was, uh, you know, it's a good point. Um, the reality is, yeah, uh, for some people, they do get good endorsement money. Uh, you know, if you're a try to buy and things like that. Yeah. But try to buy, come on, it's the top of the game. Top of the top. You know, not, but um, you know. the majority of people, you know, they just, a lot of their sponsors is not money. It's just purely product. Yep. Um, and sure, you know, you've got to go to a sponsor with a good idea and, and, and make sure it's worth their while sponsoring you. But, you know, for, for for us Kiwis and stuff, to get money out of anybody, only people that get money out of people are really very much Hamish, yep. Cameron Brown, yep. Bevan Doherty, the top of the top. People like if Bevan, you know, if uh, Bevan's got a good angle because he can come in from his sort of uh, fitness. His fitness side yep. of things. But if you're a regular sort of aspiring pro, there is yeah. zero dollars. Yep. Uh, very, very hard. Guess the myth you came in with? Matthew came in, said uh, he just thinks that, that absolutely that the uh, we should have more prize money. If the WTC, WTC and Ironman North America and various other race sponsors increase prize money, then more athletes will make the jump into triathlon and specifically long course Ironman distance. Can I read the whole thing? Um, no, just oh. sort of. I, I extract Matthew's key points. Oh, you know? you're very good, mate. I'm um, trying to read the next one as you're doing it. And he also sort of says growth comes from um, kids reading, you know, the magazines and reading things on Macca and, and him getting all fired up against Norman and things like that. So so Matthew came up with some really good points there. 
Um, Neil was the next one who, who made some uh, some comments here. So again, he said there's no obligation to basically pay pros. He thinks it's a, ethically maybe they should. Um, and again, he's kind of going, going down the path of saying that um, that if the races get bigger, the pros can kind of get more money and stuff. But he also said that if the pros don't want to race in Ironman races, they can go to other races. Mm. Um, mm, yep, yeah, interesting. Yeah. Uh, second point was that why sport races to make a profit? I'd like to remember why they're making such good money. And uh, so he's basically saying he wants them to give money, but you know, he doesn't feel necessarily it's an obligation of the sport. Yeah. So, but uh, if you don't have pros, yeah, uh, he's basically saying you need pros. You, you know, and I think that yeah, he's saying that if you didn't have pros, it would suck. Yeah. You know, you gloves being and this is one of the beauties of our sport. He's bringing up that point here that with the pros and the race, you know, like I know when I did my first Ironman, seeing Cameron Brown running towards the finish. Yeah. Yeah, like it was awesome. And you know, we're one of the only sports in the world. Where we can do that. Exactly. You know? So, yeah, that's Scroll really important down. from Neil. Yep. Next one here was from uh, Fegan. He think I, uh, I think Ironman Corporation has almost outgrown the need for pros. Um, when he pitches up to an Ironman race next year, he doesn't really care if the pros are going to be racing or not. Wow. Um, which, I, which I think is a fair comment. You know, when you're actually out there and you're on the course, you said you enjoyed seeing Cameron, yep. but for most people, they're out there and they're focused on their, their yep. day at the, day day in the yep. office, and it's, it's all about them and, and whether the pros were there or not, it's probably not going to affect their race performance on that particular day, and I tend to agree with him there. Um, but he does want Bev, uh, he does feel bad as we all want to see Bevan turn pro and live live a rock and roll lifestyle. That's right, and uh, I keep my mallet. So, yeah. <laughs> um, Joel, Joel basically came on and he said that in his his opinion, if there's no pros, it's not a sport. Yeah, and uh, and, I, and he's basically saying you need more money for more pros, and basically makes it a better sport, and. Uh, which I think is a, a good point. Exactly. I you think um, if you've got a really strong top end of the sport, it just flows on down. And, and at the end of the day, if there's no pros, there's going to be no big media coverage. Mm. You know, imagine if we didn't have Norman Stadler and Mecca's rivalry happening right now. What were we talking about? Were we talking about women, and I Bob think, Scott from Canada doing a 15-hour Ironman? Exactly. <laughs> I think the ITU is a really good example here. When the ITU first kicked off their World Cup series many, many years ago, they only sort of had maybe a handful of really good pros doing it. Yep. Uh, and they had a lot of sort of average, not average athletes, good athletes, but you tended to get the same guys winning. Over the last few years, it's got much, much more competitive on the World Cup circuit and the racing's a lot more exciting. You get a lot more different winners and, and the TV rights have gone up. There's a lot more people yep. watching it. Yep. Um, so I think they've done a really good thing and the, the, and they've got the prize money there. They've got really good prize money. Yep. Uh, the guys well, the exposure really. brings the money in, doesn't it? Exactly. So I think it's a it's a win win situation. I and think. the thing is, that for me, is that like the sport has benefited from the pros. Like the thing is, is that Mark Allen, Dave Scott, you know these big yeah. races. The girl who got who came second in eighty whatever it was. You yeah. know that's the reason the sport is big. That's why age groupers aspire to those moments. You know, yeah. and the nice thing is as people in our sport that anyone can kind of participate in that. But those images, the, the history of the sport is based on what the pros have achieved. And if we exactly. pull that away, it's just. And yeah. when I tuned into you know Ironman.com this year to watch uh, to watch Kona, you're yep. sure I was. I, I love the aspect that you can ch- keep track of age groupers yeah, and your, your friends and stuff, stuff yep. racing. But I was in there to watch yeah. the top guns go head to head. And I think there's a huge opportunity there for Ironman to bombard me with more advertisements during that day. I yep. think you know each time you logged on, if you went on and off, they gave you an advert. Yep. But I think there's a and lot they had a couple of random Ford ads throughout the day, but it was pretty minor. But I think they've got there's a huge marketing opportunity, so they could get more money out of that yep. um, because more people are tuning in. And I just think it's a it's a spiraling thing. It's a snowball thing if they can get a more competitive fields. There's more money in the sport, like uh, like other people have said, that'll drag more athletes into the sport from short course. We have more competitive races. Uh, I just think it's a continued win-win situation. You got that one. Um, 
Matt Cowdery uh, definitely thinks they should be uh, pros should be getting better prize money. Um, and yeah, basically uh, the only caveat he would have against increasing the prize purse for pros is a need for increasing drug testing, which I totally agree. Yep. Drug testing is expensive, um, and and for the WTC, if they're not part of WADA anymore, yep. um, but they don't, maybe they don't want to do too much drug testing, but yep. it is very, very expensive. So so I agree with that. Um, they definitely need to up their game on there. But hey, I mean, if they're filling all these fields, unless they've got their, their entry fee wrong, they... Iron Man Corporation should be making a lot of money. And lastly, we had Chance basically saying he could pretty much agree with everyone else saying that the price should be paid more. And uh, the, the corporation's making a lot of money. And if not, they can probably even make more money because it's such a gross sport. He's basically saying triathlon's growing like crazy. And I know in North America, Iron Man seems to be the most popular form of um, triathlon. Yeah. So that's really important. But he did bring up one good point that he'd love to see Iron Man in the Olympics. Yeah, uh, it's uh, I can never see that happening. No. Uh-huh. The, the growth of the Olympics, where I could see that there could be a possibility for a growth at some stages to have a, an individual time trial triathlon. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe a, a, a sprint distance individual time trial, um, but I can't see that happening in a hurry, which is a real shame because for triathlon, there's six medals on offer when you go to the Olympics. Yeah. And for swimming, there's probably about 60. Yeah. And uh, yeah. it's so hard for, 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 for national bodies, you know, say like New Zealand, England, Australia, whatever, whatever, you're really judged on how many medals you get and there's only three medals on offer yeah. men and females um, and a swimming program is going to be judged completely differently so mm. it's very very tough and if we had another an event you know, whether it be an Ironman or a time trial or whatever um, there'd be more medals on offer and it would give your high performance program a much better chance of uh, sort of sustainability so thanks for everyone who put comments on this week next, next week's topic is uh, what it's going to be a roll on from this week roll on. Uh, and so I think the consensus is in general that uh, most people think that pros should be uh, looked after a little bit better yep. um, especially because it's making so much money exactly like, you know they're not struggling no, not you know struggling. and the athletes are yeah exactly. at the end of the day and that's wrong yeah um, so we'd, we'd like ideas from you guys on, on how the pros sort of fraternity could possibly stretch their muscle a little better because the problem they've got at the moment is they can't just put their hands up and say right we're not doing Ironman um, races because they don't really have much choice. Sure, there are a few other races out there, you know, Roth and things like that, and, yep. and Embram and, and one or two other good races, but there's the Ironman races are where they have to make their living, and so they can't just sort of say, we're not going to race. Yep. So do you guys have any good ideas on, on what pros could do to try and flex their muscles a bit more uh, and try to swing the balance of power a bit? And we'll, we'll give it to Olaf. I'm we sure will. He'll listen. So there you go. of the week righty ho righty ho so Ironman Florida was on us uh, just this weekend and we had a guy called Joe Turquit Turquit go with that Turquit um, now Joe's done pretty special things this year he's done five Ironmans I don't actually know how he did in his time I know today he finished at 13 hours 22 it was actually on Ironman.com where I found this one um, 13 hours 22 which is a pretty decent Ironman special when you consider you've done five this year but he's been really good effort for fundraising this year he's really obviously made a commitment to fundraising and he started his own fund, is it? Yeah, maybe. Or well, basically, he's fundraised twenty one thousand dollars US for Janus Corporation. So mm. like, that's that's pretty cool. 
It's incredible when you see those guys go up on stage that have done the top fundraising. They yeah. have so much money. I know they do, eh? Incredible. And they get like a, a free entry to a race and it's yeah. like, yeah. But that's really cool. And I know we were talking before that how, you know, Paul Newber Fraser wants to fundraise more money and, you know, we say maybe the pros need some of that money. But it is a really cool aspect of our sport. And, it is. And, and, you know, that really does go to good causes. So, you know, good on you, Joe. That you're um, I'm just going to back it up a little bit here because I know you always uh, – pitch in there and, and do your extra age group of the week but we actually forgot something in the news um if you scroll back up to the news bevan scroll back up to the news <clears throat> it was actually quite a good article on uh an iron man oh, on, that's right. on the iron man um okay, I'll go to site there so yep. we, he's not going to be our age group of the week but it's a pretty uh we pretty, don't know if he pretty, finished or not he but did i checked um <clears throat> they had a guy <clears throat> excuse me biscuit biscuit issues again we had a guy adam tice and uh they've called him the biggest loser at iron man florida the guy lost 140 140.6 pounds uh, since January. Now, kgs, I think that's uh, that's a lot. <laughs> um, I, don't know, I, th- I think it's about 60 kgs or something like that. Yeah. Uh, but it's a lot. So he finished. It's a lot. He, he did. He uh, he lined up and he uh, did the race and he finished okay. Uh, I think it was 16 hours, something like that. Uh, maybe check out the website if you're keen to see what he it's did. It's uh, 63 kg. 63.63 kgs. Yeah, there you go. So that's a lot for all us people in metrics. Yeah. Uh, and he finished. It was great. And uh, if you go onto Ironman.com, it's got a picture of his progression. Yeah, wow. He has and, a lot of weight, uh, hasn't he? He's got a bit of a handle on there at the start. Uh, and he's got a nice tan line on his arms. And you can see the triathlon tan coming through. So yeah. was well impressed. So that's a good effort. We so. like seeing... Uh, Fatties turn into races. Oh, it's good. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, they, they are our age groupers. Of age the groupers week. of the week. Okay, what's up next? We got. Okay, we need some music. Wait a second. Music. Website of the week. <laughs> I'm losing my voice this week. Hey, uh, so we kind of were struggling for websites this week, so if you guys got more websites, send them through to us. So I kind of thought we'd just go into Wikipedia and look up triathlon. Now, it's a really cool website. For those of you who don't know, Wikipedia is um, a free and online encyclopedia, and it's basically self-edited. Um, people go on there and they write articles, and if you go on there and you see something that's wrong, you can actually change the article. Um, but they basically have a history of triathlon, basically what kind of courses there are, variations of it, how the triathlon works, rules, professional competitions, competitors, a uh, little bit about training, uh, well-known events, some history of the race and stuff like that. They should talk about how the, the term brick came up. Mm-hmm. And a few years' time, we'll be on Wikipedia. That's right, for, mate. We'll for, dominate for, Wikipedia. Leading, leading edge triathlon news. Leading edge. But I think they talk about brick and they talk about uh, Matt Brick. Oh, Mac Brick, yeah. He's yeah. a very good athlete from New Zealand, a, a multiple world duathlon champion. He was yeah. an axe on the bike, and at the age of 40, he did a sub-nine-hour Ironman in Taupo. He did 8.59, uh, and I think he was the first uh, over 40 athlete in the Southern Hemisphere to do a sub-nine-hour Ironman, I think. Yeah, so... <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah, anyway, so it's a really good place just to go read about triathlons, so... And, and anything, you know, if you go on there and I... Yeah. If you do a search on anything, not just triathlon. That's um, right, let's do a search on something. Um, go. <coughs> go. Peeing on the bike. <laughs> Peeing on the bike. I don't think they'll be here, but let's have a look. Peeing on the bike. Here we go, Wikipedia. Oh, go to Iron Man Talk. Yeah. Episode. It's got Pee Wee's Big Adventures, One Speed Bike... Yeah, anyway. Anyway, anyway, Wikipedia. That's the place to go. So, www.iron.com. 
wikipedia.org, I think is the place to go. We'll have a link to it on our show notes on ironmantalk.com. There we go. One, two, three, four, half five. Got the head rolling again this week. The head is rolling. So last week we talked about saddle sores, and so I had to go to the doctor, and, and I was a bit angry. Well, not angry. My, my partner's, I talked about my partner having a crash, and so she's been going to the doctor lots, and I wasn't even going to go to the doctor. I was just going to persevere through it. But my, doc, my girlfriend says, look, I'm going to the doctor tomorrow. I'll, you come along. And she had a doctor and a nurse who were changing their bandages. Yeah. So, so they're in the room while I'm sitting in the room. And they're having great jokes about I'm going to have to whip my trolleys down in front of them all. <laughs> walk into the room. And the doctor comes out. And I'm like, I don't mind being naked in front of the doctor. But walk out and she has a smile on her face. You could tell they've been giggling. I put my head down like a little boy going to the office. And walked in, had to whip my trolleys down. And I was giggling away. So I wasn't happy. So... So anyway, but while I was there, they actually talked to me about a few things once you actually have the saddle sores and uh, what you can do to prevent them. So first thing that they said is that don't use steroid cream often. Um, I know a lot of people like to use the steroid creams as a way to prevent them, but they said only use them when you have the sores. Um, the problem is with steroid creams is that it breaks down the layers of skin. And so if you do that in that region, it actually makes it more susceptible to like rashes mm. and you know, more kind of um, saddle sores and stuff like that. So they said it's really, really important. So definitely get some good steroid cream if you've got saddle sores. But if you haven't, don't make it a habit just to have it as a way to avoid. Mm. Good one. Do you want to do the second one? No, I'm, I'm, I'm going to leave it all to you. Okay, so once you have them, exfoliate when you're in the bath or in the shower, um, just in that region there, which helps to break the layers of skin down. Get a, get a good uh, glove. Yeah, glove. Um, they talked about the type of underwear you wear um, outside of the bike so we talked about changing your chamois often but also try to use boxer shorts or a material that doesn't get moist basically the moisture in that region helps to kind of make come on so you want to really get um, either some I don't know woolen underwear you probably could get just, some just get boxes yeah just get boxes but you probably get some good fibre um, for if you like to wear briefs yes if you like to wear briefs and uh, so and for girls um, yeah maybe you can wear boxes as well I don't know I don't yeah. know much about women's underwear um, <laughs> <laughs> if it gets if it gets really really bad you need to have three or four days off the bike and give them a chance to heal and I know that's going to be hard for us guys because you know we, we train all the time and three days off just seems impossible maybe you just need to focus on running and swimming at those times mm-hmm. and lastly I've got maybe use a male doctor or maybe not yeah. <laughs> or maybe just don't let your girlfriend organise it for you so there you go this is our high five for this week Coach's Corner very sensual music Bevan selected today. Oh, yeah. Well, there's a reason for that. That's there? a reason for got that. Got the calm voices on. Got the calm voices on. Have you got oh, the original cool. email? Because the original email is... I actually lost... I don't, I don't do this very often, but because it was from your mate, <laughs> it somehow disappeared off my list. <laughs> but it was from uh, old Slam I Am. And uh, so Bevan's mate actually sent in a question a little while ago about um, what our views are on having a bit of uh, pre-race... What would you call it before? Pre-race nookie or hide the sausage. Yep, the old, uh, just a bit of loving. I like to call it loving myself. A bit, bit of loving before races. Um, <laughs> and so I've, I had an article... Because we are a serious show. We are a serious show. <laughs> I've got some good topics coming up in the next few weeks. Don't worry about that. Um, because I have, I've just got this article that I um, sort of keep on file. It's sort of a bit of a summary on a number of studies that have been done on whether you know pre-race sex before is good or is it bad or, or is it gonna you know enhance performance, enhance performance, decrease, decrease performance, performance, whatever. Yeah. So I'm just gonna sort of give a bit of summary on what the study says, uh, and then we can perhaps go into our personal preferences. Yep. Um, 
But really, the overall theme of this is that there isn't any conclusive evidence either way, really. Uh, there's been a number of studies done on it. You know, previously, some people thought that pre-race sex uh, can lead to pretty uh, to muscle weakness, uh, and but that's really been disproved. That some, somebody did a study involving uh, hand grip strength tests, <laughs> and, and so not particularly relevant to triathlon. Uh, you can read whatever you want into that. <laughs> But uh, but yeah, this was a study done by uh, the Clinical Journal of Sports Medicine. No, so pretty official. So pretty official, and uh, and they said really that there wasn't any significant uh, either way. Either way. Yep. There's been other studies, um, also in the Journal of Sports Medicine and you Physical did your research, Fitness. Didn't you, mate? Um, I'm well impressed. They concluded that sex had no detrimental influence on the maximal workload achieved or on the athlete's mental concentration. As part of the study, the athletes were given a math quiz shortly after having sex. <laughs> okay, what's three plus three? Wait a second. <laughs> oh, that would have been a funny study to do. So that was another one that didn't really have any conclusive evidence either way. There was a study done in uh, Rutgers University in New Jersey, and they um, suggested that sexual activity may help combat muscle pain uh, or other sports injuries. Well, there you go. So there was a little bit of bug of the uh, bath. Bug of the bath. <laughs> yeah, they uh, they they did find some some evidence there. There was another series of studies done in uh, in Italy by Fitzer Incorporated, and they indicate that regular sexual activity may boost levels of testosterone, a muscle building hormone that is frequently used illegally as a doping agent. So. The testosterone really makes you sort of fire up a bit more. Yep. So, so this study um, said that the, the, this may may help. Wow. <clears throat> uh, where, the, where the possibly is, you know, a lot of the medical research here is really saying that isn't conclusive uh, physiology physiology well, side of things. Yeah. It isn't conclusive evidence. Um, but but definitely on the the psychological side of things, um, I think there possibly is some advantages or disadvantages. Yep. Uh, and there was a study done um, say that the relaxation associated with sex can help uh, athletes deal with the stress of yep. competition. Yep. So that's definitely one side of things. Uh, we actually talked about this on the bike the other day. And if you have, uh, <laughs> you know, if you don't perform particularly well in, in the sack. Yeah, it's all about performance because if you're hopeless in bed, yeah. it's going to be stressful. So <laughs> and that's gonna, you know, that could uh, make you feel yeah, not, not so good on race day. That's so, true. So, so practice, practice, practice. Yeah, that's and, right. Uh, and you can find out. A rounded athlete. And uh, a couple of other little uh, side bits as well. Uh, there was a gymnast on the U.S. Olympic team who took a silver in Athens and says sex before con- con- sex before competition relieves anxiety. It help ta- helps take the edge off. Uh, and there was one other fellow who uh, was a was a runner, and he said that <clears throat> uh, he thought sex was fantastic because uh, I think this comes back to the testosterone argument. Uh, he can get really fired up after sex and feels really good. And he says you have to be really fired up to run a really fast mile. Yep. So, so this is, and he did run a fast mile. He did run a fast mile, three forty-seven. Yep. So if you yeah. had the sex the night before, you'll be in a satisfied state and feel like smoking cigarette. <laughs> um, yeah. My my personal viewers, you know, uh, is, is pretty much in agreement with all this. I think it's neither here nor there. It's, yeah. it's personal preference. Uh, I think it depends on the person as well. Yeah. If some people are very sexual, and if you're a very sexual person, obviously that's one thing that's really good for you. And some people aren't so sexual, and so if you're not that way inclined, um, you know, like yeah. it's... I mean, I tend not to 
have too much knocky the week before the race. Not, not just it just doesn't seem to happen. I'm usually got my mind sort of elsewhere. Bevan's sort of looking at <laughs> frowning, frowning at me. He obviously I'm goes, just goes, Bevan just goes for it every opportunity. Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm not sure. I, I think that the relaxing factor is cool. Um, and yeah, let's move on. <laughs> let's move on. Well, actually, no, we had uh, we've got something else to tack onto this. A, a tack on email. A tack on email. Um, which we're going to refute uh, some of the points on. Yep, that's right. Uh, no, no, it's it's back to yep, coach's corner is. section. So we had somebody, uh, Kendall, Kendall Gray, Kendall Gray said that Runners World reports that 54% of Kiwis and Aussies would choose to go for a run over having sex. Back it up, mate. Back it up, mate. <laughs> um, look. Yeah, it's not We true. go for quality. We go for quality. That's right. We that's what we've determined. That's what we've determined. Uh, and in the US, sex won out 59% to 41%. But my conclusion to that was that they just didn't want to do either. So, <laughs> yeah. so, so we, we go for quality. Yeah, we've definitely helped. Uh, yeah, let's so, move on. Let's move on. Just to the serious stuff. To the serious stuff. So we, took, we, we got a, an email question in, uh, a little while ago. Um, do you remember who by? Nick? Yeah, no, by Nick Mathers. Yep. Uh, he was a bit frustrated. He did uh, Lake Placid, uh, which has got a pretty hilly bike course. Yep. Uh, and he spent, uh, he lost a lot of time in the downhill section um, to mates that he thought he would have uh, beaten, and he was often hold, holding on to the brakes. Uh, and so he wasn't too happy about that. So he wanted a few tips. So what we're going to do this week is we're actually going to talk about climbing a little bit this week. So sorry about that, Nick. You're going to yep. have to wait one more week. Yep. Uh, <clears throat> and then next week we're going to talk a bit more about descending. Yep. Um, so it's all climbing. What's all climbing all what's about, John? What's climbing all about? Uh, first thing we'd probably want to say is uh, a lot of triathletes tend to jump out of their seat as soon as they come to a hill and, yep. and climb out of a seat. Uh, you really are beneficial. Bene- it's beneficial to stay seated for as long as possible. And why um, is that? The reason for that is nice. you end up using quite a bit more energy when you're out of the seat. <clears throat> now I'm probably going to contradict myself a little bit here for Ironman racing. Um, but you know, generally you use around about ten to twelve percent more energy when you're uh, when you're out of the seat. That's because you're using more muscle groups. Because you <laughs> exactly. use your arms a lot more, and yep. and you don't have that sort of support of the seat. Uh, yep. Sort of, and that takes a lot of the strain off. Um, <clears throat> obviously, that brings up your heart rate. <clears throat> you're right there, mate. I'm I'm losing it again. Oh, mate, you're you're in shocker today, mate. Okay, so it decreases your energy because you're burning more energy, brings your heart rate up, which for us, we want to consume as much energy as possible. Exactly. But but as a sort of side point to this, um, in Ironman racing, for, for most races that are relatively flat, I would say you do probably want to get out of the seat a little bit. But if you're just in, in general training or if you're on a hilly course, you do want to stay seated. Yep. Um, right, just moving on to uh, when you, if you do need to stand, it's really important that you sort of rock your bike from side to side when you when you are standing up. Um, so what we mean there is your body stays uh, pretty much center, cent- center yeah. line, nice and still, and your body, your bike sort of sways from side to side. It's quite hard for us to give people sort of a visual on that. Best, yeah. best thing you can do is really watch a little bit of cycling footage of the Tour de France or something like that, and just watch those guys. Uh, but you're not aggressive in doing it. Seat. You see some people who are just way too aggressive and they're like really swaying side to side. It's a slight movement, you know. Exactly. Yeah. And yep. and the key thing is is again to try and keep your upper body relatively still yep. uh, and use your arms to sort of uh, to, to move your bike from side to side. You often see people really humping their bikes yeah. when you're going up hills. There's a cyclist I go with who's quite a good cyclist, but when he goes uphill, honestly, he's just having a party. He's like dancing on the bike. <laughs> it's unbelievable. And uh, I mean, sure, you can still see good cyclists that do move around. People like Richard Veronque, who's a great Tour de France rider, he yep. moves around a lot. 
But uh, textbook technique is to try and keep your upper body relatively There's a guy still. called Hayden Rolston who's a, one of New Zealand's top cyclists, and you see him ride up a hill, and he's just still as and he flies yeah. up a hill. Yeah, you know, he's, he's on U- he was on US Postal. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so your body position. Um, I'm just going to talk about that a little bit with your with regards to your hands. Uh, you want to have them on your, the top of your bars, and you want to keep. Which sometimes harder for us with our aero bars. It is, yeah. So so do have a think about that if you are doing a hilly course. You know um, where you're going to put your hands. You want to keep your hands nice and relaxed, and and the key thing is is also to have a little bit of bend in your elbows when you've got your hands on your handlebars. This is for for all terrain, whether you're going uphill or downhill, and that just allows you to take a little bit of shock out of the road. Especially important for us Kiwis and, and Aussies, which have got slightly bumpier roads. Yeah. Um, that will uh, you just take a little bit of shock out of the road. Have a reasonably wide wide uh, grip on the top of your handlebars, and that sort of helps to open up your chest a little bit. Yeah, and relax your shoulders. Um, and then when you do get out of your seat, uh, this just comes naturally for, for a lot of people, but you basically hold on to your brake hoods, um, sort of a couple of fingers underneath your brake hoods, um, rather than actually holding on to your handlebars, so you hold on to the bits where, you, where your brakes are. Yep. Um, really try to keep your upper body nice and still, this is also when you're seating as well as when you're standing, um, just keep it nice and relaxed and let everything sort of go from your hips down. Good thing to do while you're riding uphill if the sun's behind you is to look at your shadow. It's a really good way to see what your body's doing because if you if you'll see what you because sometimes you're just riding you don't actually realise what your body's doing subconsciously yeah and to actually look at your shadow to check it out think is it moving lots and then you or if your head moving lots and that way you can just learn to be really still on the bike um, yeah yeah and again um, always getting video analysis whether it's your swimming biking or running is really useful yeah obviously if you're on the flat you come past so quickly but if you've got a you know, a partner or something like that or a mate who can yep. video you coming up a hill, um, then you can actually see what you're doing. A lot of the time people don't realise they're moving. Another thing with that as well is if you ride with someone else, get into, you know, like I'll go riding with someone and if, you know, if I know them well, I'll give them some feedback. I'll say, oh look, you're, you know, you're moving really fast or a lot through here. So yeah, that feedback's valuable. Cool. And uh, and try to keep your chest nice and open. Try to keep your breathing under control. Yep. Um, when you are climbing and when you're seated, try to sit on the back of your saddle. Um, when you sit on the back of your seat, uh, you gain a lot more leverage over your, over your pedals, um, but yeah. So, so so try to just shimmy back a little bit and uh, and sit on the back of your seat. Yeah. So it gives you more push forward, does it? Exactly. Yep. Um, <clears throat> okay, just a couple of other points on um, standing. Um, this is more related to if you're going out in a group or something like that, rather than actually racing. Uh, mm. But just be aware of those around you if you are going in a in a, in a group ride. Uh, when you do stand up, you know there is a, for for a split second you do slow down quite significantly. Yep. Um, so so just make sure that you know uh, you, you leave a little bit of a gap when you start approaching a hill, so you don't run into the back of people. And likewise, if you're standing up, um, just, just check that, that you know you've got a bit of space and somebody's not going to run up your ass. Yep. So just be aware of that. If you're going to stand up lots, maybe even tell the person behind you, look, I'm going to stand up, especially if they stay right on your bum going up the hill. It's not too much of a problem going up hill, is it? No, if, but um, gap seems to come. You know, if you're actually out with a group of really pure cyclists, a lot of them, will, when they stand up, will, will yell out standing, mm. uh, just just to let everybody know that, mm. uh, that, you, are, that you are about to stand. Um, a key thing also when you're approaching the hills, try to get into a gear relatively uh, relatively early, as you're actually mm. approaching the hill, start to, to change into the right gears, so... Don't basically hit a hill and your big chain ring and, and really cranking it and then go from one of your biggest gears right down to one of your smallest gears. Mm. As you're approaching the hill, uh, you want to get out of your big chain ring um, and, and move down your cluster. And then as you're getting closer to the hill, you want to be tr- always trying to keep that cadence up so you don't go from a cadence of sort of 90 to, to 50 straight away. Uh, you're sort of moving through your gears and uh, and not going from, not having massive big gear shifts. So, mm. so... 
think about that and if you are going to be racing on a hilly course go and check it out so you know where you're going to sort of start changing your gears uh, and hit the hill in, in the right gear because you do lose time if you go in the wrong gear if you're going to a hill and you're in the wrong gear exactly you know especially if you're in too high a gear and and really a lot of people have issues uh, going from big chain ring to small chain ring you mm. lose your chain a little bit Bevan mm. Um, mm. and so yeah. if you can do that as, uh, well in advance of the hill uh, if you do that at the bottom of the hill then it's, it's yep. a bit of an ass to get back on uh, so get out of that big chain ring nice and early um, keep your cadence up we just talked about that uh, you know you want to be using your small gears rather than really trying to crunch those big gears you know optimally you you know you want to try to keep your cadence up around sort of 70 to 80 if you can yep. obviously if it's a really steep hill that's Never not going to be no. possible but but try to keep your cadence as high as possible use a small gear um, stay seated uh, except maybe in some race situations where you want to give your back a little bit of a break and saying that with cadence work with your heart rate as well mm. um, you know keeping your cadence up like doesn't mean you have to stay at 70 because if it's really hard, you know, like it's more about what's your base heart rate based on your training zones mm. and then work the cadence as fast as you can based on that. And if you've got a power meter, um, you'll find out pretty quickly that uh, if you just ride the a hill on, on natural feel, what you'll probably find is your power will go up massively at the bottom of the hill and it'll tail off all the way to the top. So you can actually use your power meter to pace yourself on the hills. Uh, so it means that you'll probably get dropped at the bottom of the climb. Um, but if you can maintain a, a nice even power output all the mm. way through and then actually try to lift your power as you get uh, just towards the top of the hill, um, you'll actually end up getting to the hill a lot quicker uh, and you won't have those big surges and uh, mm. sort of power output, which will, which will come back to bite you in the bum later on. Yep. Uh, and really just the other thing is really just try to keep your breathing nice and uh, rhythmical uh, yep. rather than really trying to puff and pant just try to keep it nice and relaxed and that's a lot easier to do if you if you do stay seated and that's also if your pedal stroke as well finding a good rhythm yeah and you know finding a good pace and sitting on it like i did a race earlier on this year uh toward the vineyards and at the bottom of the hill everyone took off and I'm, I'm i'm a strong climber and so i knew that if i could just trust my rhythm and you know and two-thirds up the hill i pretty much passed everyone who had taken off at the beginning and exactly. i think i was the first to the top of the hill of the group i was with so um yeah definitely just want to be able to maintain that rhythm and this is no secret uh <laughs> to get better in the hills you go and ride hills yep. uh, so a great thing to do is to do hill repeats you know find a hill that maybe is anywhere between uh, 4 and about sort of uh, 12 minutes long yep. and uh, and ride up and down it a few times you know I've had you doing that yeah, uh, fairly doing recently yep. and uh, it's great stuff you can just then you can really get into a rhythm you know that you're not going to the hill's going to be the same each time and you can really select a nice gear and just get into a good rhythm uh, great strength work and it will, it will over, uh, improve your overall cycling performance the nice thing about that as well is that most people aren't very good hill climbers and mm. so if you become a strong climber so for me like some of the cycle races I do that have hills in them I tend to do quite well and to be honest I'm not as good a cyclist as you know where I'm placing in some of these races and it's mainly just because I can ride uphill and I've got that strength so mm. definitely if um, it's an advantage if you can do that work well yeah so mm. next week we'll, we'll talk a bit more about descending yeah definitely Okay, so uh, questions and answers. So questions and answers, let's have a look. Okay, so uh, first one we had was from Matthew. It wasn't so much a question, but he was saying that uh, something's quite interesting is on Slow Twitch. Which we have uh, a link to on the show notes. Yeah, so not on not on the forum, on the actually on the actual Slow Twitch website. Mm. Uh, they've got a survey. They always do this every year, a Kona survey, and this year they did uh, power meters. Um, and I was actually quite surprised uh, that there was a lot yeah. of uh, power, a lot more power taps than anything else. Mm. And um, types of power meters that people use. Yeah. So yep. you've got obviously the power tap, SRM, Ergamo, Ergamo uh, and I think they had uh, then they had another section for, for others. Yeah. 
Um, so I think PowerTaps came out on top, which was I was a little surprised about. Um, but if you are interested in, in sort of seeing some information on power meters, that's a good source. So we'll have that link on there. So thanks for that sending that in, Matthew. Yep. And uh, he also mentioned a couple um, chimney creams, uh, butt butter, <laughs> butt butter, <laughs> yeah, um, ASOS and ASOS. These things to find they're pretty good. But yep. yeah, there you go. And here we go. We've got another sort of. Uh, Social question? Yeah, no, this is a good question, but um, basically Daniel Roberts from Australia. Australia. Um, I'm pretty sure he's from Australia. He is. Um, he's basically, he's just got into triathlon, he's doing quite well, and he's 23 and um, young, and he's just read Greg, Greg Welch's book, and he's saying how Greg Welch in his book says that it was all right for him to have a few drinks with times with his mates and still be able to train. Um, he says he feels really guilty when he goes out on the tubes with the boys, and, uh, you know, is it okay to kind of have a drink? And if, you know, when if so, what kind of, you know, when and where, and, you know, those kind of type of questions. So, What's your view? It's all about balance. It's all about um, balance. Preference, you know. Balance and um, preference. That's my view on that. I mean, you can, uh, sure, you know, alcohol has some detrimental, some detrimental yep. uh, aspects to it. Um, but if you do it in moderation, it's uh, I don't see it as being a problem whatsoever. Yep. Uh, and, you know, some, some people like to go sort of down the, the Gordo Avenue where they just 100% on nutrition, 100% on absolutely everything. Yep. And yes, there's definitely benefits to doing that. Yep. But I think uh, if you enjoy having a drink and uh, and socialising, then that's going to actually have a fairly big uh, impact on your performance as well. It's important to be overall happy with life. Mm. If, you're, if you're happy with life, you'll probably perform a lot better. And if you deprive yourself of things that, that you enjoy, um, I think that... Uh, you come you know, unbalanced, yeah. Yeah, you come unbalanced. So... So I'd say um, what's going to have the big effects on you if you go on a bender, you know, if you go out and have uh, regular big nights and that's going to have significant impact on your training, yep. then that's not necessarily a good thing. But if you went out on a, a Friday night and just had a couple of, you know, two beers or something like that with some mates, that, I think that's really going to have a limited, a very limited uh performance yeah it's, it's a lot of it's about how you drink so if you you know if you haven't like you like to have a glass of wine don't you when you're having dinner exactly. and stuff, so that's kind of cool and if you're going to go have a few beers with your mates while you watch a game of sport or something that's kind of cool if you've got a big key session coming up you don't want to go out the night before and get you know no. written off so it's really about how you drink i don't actually drink at all so I, but it's because i was basically turning into an alcoholic so, <laughs> <laughs> so, so i pulled away from the alcohol but uh but you know, for me, I, like I wouldn't have a problem drinking during my times. But again, like if it's a big week, to, you know, like a, on Epic Camp, I'm not going to drink. You know, and mm-hmm. so it really depends on the time of the year, when your key races are, and all that kind of stuff. And you know, like then after your key race, and you go out and you, you know you party hard and you have the good times. But I, yeah, I'd tend not to drink uh, a couple of weeks before a race, probably a month before the race. I probably wouldn't drink much. Yeah. And uh, and the good thing is, is that you look at the top athletes. So and again, it's a big variation. Uh, I'd imagine people, someone like Peter Reed, is probably going to drink very very little yep, yep. at all. Especially um, if you've seen that movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, you look at other top athletes. You know, Scott Molina. Granted, he's um, you know uh, he, he was at the top of the game, but he's yep. still drunk then. Um, I'm good mates with Bevan Doherty. He yep. drinks. Um, yep. And then you've got other athletes. You know, the guys that are more sort of like like. Mark Allen and things like that uh, and and they don't drink Um, so again as long as you're doing it in moderation Mm. don't see any issue there it's uh, it's not what you drink; it's how you drink. Oh, nice! It's a big TV campaign in New Zealand at the moment because <laughs> yeah. we're all binge drinkers <laughs> over here. <laughs> we're all kids in New Zealand, so <laughs> we like our alcohol. Um, okay, so next up we had um, David Gray. David Gray. Isn't that a singer, David Gray? Yeah, that's David Gray. He sings um, lots of songs. Yeah. He's, he's, he's Irish, isn't he? Yeah, but this one's Australian. 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 Um, okay, so what we're saying here. Uh, he's basically just saying thanks for your, uh, the show on race plans and how he. 
the race plan, he, he listened to the show, and, and obviously we have Dave Remy's race plan on link to our website, which is really cool. But um, he was just basically saying how it was really good for him to do a race plan because it made him more realistic about his race. And uh, he was basically saying that uh, he was hoping to a sub five, and then after actually sitting down doing a race plan and planning everything out, he realised that maybe a more realistic time was around 5.16. And uh, the cool thing was... He just about did it. He did 5.18, yeah. so pretty much on the money. Yeah, I think in his race report he sent through to me, he was saying that the, basically the swim was a couple of minutes slower than what he had planned. Yeah. But the rest of it was pretty much to the, to the minute. Yeah, so it's a race planning. The important thing with race planning is, is not necessarily... I mean, I know David here has, uh, has set himself some time goals... But you don't want to get too strung up on the time goals. It's more about the process of what you're doing yep. uh, and, and just keeping your mind on track and nutrition and checklists and reducing stress and things like that. Um, but, but also what, what, you know, what helped David here is, is uh, you know, if, probably if he hadn't done his race plan, he would have gone in there and, and done this time and, and had in his mind, oh, five hours is what I want to do. Yep. And he would have probably come away with 5.18, been a bit disappointed. But yep. because he went through this process, he's probably coming away going, you yeah, know, Spot on. And, and he's probably raced smarter because of the race plan. Because I imagine if he was aiming for five, he would have got out of the swim at 40 minutes and thought, holy crap, I'm going to have to smash the bike yeah. and then blown up in the run. Whereas he maybe thought, well, I'm two minutes off and maybe I can catch two minutes, you know. And so, again, it really helps you be realistic. And I think the other thing with that I've mentioned before is that um, when you're training, you feel really great sometimes to always remember that your race plan is realistic mm. um, and that, you know, you, if you have a great training day, it doesn't mean you're going to do a four and a half hour. And what's his quote there at the bottom? Pain is temporary. Pain is temporary, but memory lasts forever. There we go. I've got the I've got another a twist on that. Pain is temporary, but giving up lasts forever. There we go. Mm, you don't like giving up. There we go. You know the next one. Did you ever look at this? Yeah, I did. Is this the one where the? Oh, okay. So we actually a few people sent us this one through. Is this from Kendall Gray again? It is too. Um, just uh, triathlete mag had a link to someone. Obviously, Scissor Sisters, the band. Um, I'll check it up. Scissor Sister, the band, uh, released a song, and on their website. You can insert your own photo hits. Right. And uh, in doing that, they create this kind of musical piece where they're singing their latest song and your hits on top of it. Yeah. And it's kind of a bit campish. So um, uh, someone who put Stradler and Macca on it and uh, they come out dancing and it's, it's a bit of a laugh. So no, if you guys yeah. want to check that out, we'll have a link to that on our website, www.ironmantalk.com. And uh, you can have a bit of a laugh at the boys because they do seem a little bit silly at the moment. Um, finally for today oh no actually just one thing oh. I haven't showed you this one here either but there's a photo someone sent us through a photo of a, a someone in a wetsuit who'd blown up or something and uh, check out the website it's a it's a really really good photo and it's a, it's a bit of a laugh for kind of the triathletes of the world out there so check it out um, finally oh, finally today Coffees of Hawaii yeah yeah so we've got a sponsor now and it's really really cool they've definitely um kind of jumped on board and kind of helping us out and helping you guys out by obviously making our show better by giving us money basically at the end of the day but we're going to talk about them a bit more over the coming weeks we just saw it make an official announcement yeah so yep. Coffees of Hawaii are coming on board and uh, it's, a, it's a Hawaiian uh, coffee company uh, and we're going to talk about the specifics later on but uh, you can check it out on coffeesofhawaii.net if you were at Hawaii uh, recently they had a stand there and Cameron Brown was giving away uh, giving away coffee and selling coffee Uh we actually had our samples arrive yesterday, so we haven't actually tried them yet, yep. but we will be doing so in the next few weeks. You can buy online at Coffees of Hawaii. Uh, Wait a second, I'll just put it up. Put it up. Coffeesofhawaii.net. And uh, we're going to be talking to them over the next few weeks, and they'll be featuring uh, or sponsoring one section of the show. So it's going to be fantastic. Yeah, and it's really cool. Basically, they ship worldwide, and they ship really cheaply. Um, but basically, at the end of the day, they are... Uh, 
it's a lot cheaper you know at the end of the day it's cheaper than going to a shop and buying it and uh, exactly yeah and that just well I can't wait to actually taste it to be honest I'm not a big coffee drinker but I do love coffee mm. the only reason I'm not a big coffee drinker is because I drink too much of it I've had this control thing I tell you and, uh, <laughs> alcohol coffee <laughs> alcohol coffee um, so check them out and support them um, especially if you are a coffee drinker which I imagine a lot of you guys are there they've got a special Kona Big Ring uh, blend mm. so definitely try that one out and they are trying to focus on the triathlete as well so which is kind of cool and yeah. uh, but we'll get in more detail of that more we'll actually so you know, talk more about that and uh, it'd be great for you guys to actually get out there and support them as well one other thing is that people have actually gone on you know how we have the store on our website people oh, yeah. have bought stuff through it oh we so like we, that I want to say thanks for that we have an Amazon store so if you go to ironmantalk.com there is a um we have a store page and for those of you who want to go buy stuff on Amazon we've just chosen or I've chosen some products which I think triathletes would like like websites and the watches that you guys use and stuff and some books and if you go on our website and buy that we get some commission now it's bugger all but still it all adds up um the cool thing about that is is that um, some people have started doing it. But nice. if you want to buy anything on Amazon, um, books or anything, go through our page because we get the commission on it. Mm. And then just do the search. There's a search bar there and that way we make a bit of commission on it. Um, and also, you guys have been clicking the ad as well. It's really cool if you guys can just click it, like go onto our website, click an ad once a week. That way, <laughs> well, basically, the day we make no money from this, and we don't really mind. But it's kind of this way; it covers, um, covers our, costs. our costs, and uh, you know, and definitely, it's kind of cool just if you guys can help us out that way. So, coffees of Hawaii are definitely a place to go check out and get your coffee and impress your family with some beautiful coffees. They've got lots of blends, mm. and uh, we're going to talk to those guys about that in a couple of weeks, or maybe this week or something. And uh, bring yeah, it on. bring it on. I can't look. I'm looking forward to tasting it. So. <laughs> mm. That's about it for this week. Yeah, there's a couple of things I do want to quickly mention. Oh, um, here we go. So last week, John and I had uh, Andrew on the show. Oh, yes. And, uh, in the past. And um, and we also had a huge week. I ended up doing, I did 42 hours exercise last week, so it was a big week for Very me. Nice. It's actually my biggest week ever, which is kind of cool. Um, surprisingly, I felt really good mm. um, through the whole week, even through to the last few days. We did a really big ride on Friday, and I did a big ride on Sunday, and I felt really, really good. And one thing I did do is I did the baths. So did I. And what do you think? Yeah, it was good. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't as bad as I, th- I was expecting. Yeah. What did you think of the, the result of doing good. it? Good. I backed up. I did it on, uh, we did 180K on Friday. Yep. Uh, and then I backed up on Saturday and did a half Ironman simulation. And, uh, and I, yeah, I performed very, very well. I was yeah. very, very happy uh, yeah. overall. So so it's working for me. And I've tried it. Uh, I tried it after that as well. Yep. Didn't didn't train on uh, Sunday. So don't really have any reports yep. after that one. But uh, so far, so good. So I found it great. I did it three times. And uh, I was surprised how sore I wasn't throughout the week. Like, I mean, biking's not as hard on the body as running. But I was still teaching in gyms, classes at the gym. And I still ran quite a lot. Well, not a lot, but I ran a bit. And... Uh, every day I thought I'd be really tired after the session so I'd jump into water do the 15 minutes you know and as John was saying the first three minutes is a little bit cold but you get used to it and the time seems to go quite quickly mm. and uh, and then after that the next day I get up and normally you know those days backing it up you kind of think oh how am I going to get through tomorrow but definitely I felt I, like we, I, I was both, surprised how good I felt we only really had one bad day didn't we sort of in yeah. the middle, middle of the week we both felt pretty average on Wednesday yep. um, but apart from that it was all good Um Probably one thing that just highlighted to me uh, in the overall week is is probably the uh, it's, it's so much better if you can actually get away from home. Um, I sort of shortened had to shorten a couple of sessions where I wasn't necessarily wanting to because my work was backing up. Yeah. Um, and that's why things like Epic Camp and, and getting out of town for maybe a big week with for some mates is, is quite good. Yeah. You just got to remove all those distractions because I tried as hard as I could to remove them uh, the week before, but they did start to crop their head yeah. up uh, sort of during the week. And then uh, come sort of Wednesday, Thursday, I did have to do a bit of catching up. 
And, um, and for me on that aspect, I actually wasn't too bad on that front because I pretty much said to everyone, look, I'm, I'm not here this week. But I kind of felt bad, if anything, because my mates would ring me, you know, what are you up to? And I was like, oh, look, you know, I've got no time for you this weekend. Um, so it's, if they know you're going away, it's another way of kind of doing that as well. Yeah. So, yeah, so definitely, if you guys have a bath, I, I, I'm a really big advocate of it. Maybe I need to do some more time with it to really... And maybe we do a bit more running, but I, I thought it was really cool. Also, I want to say a big thanks to everyone who went on iTunes and gave us some feedback. We got some people. Oh, nice one. Yeah, yeah, and they gave us some really nice feedback. Um, the person who gave us some negative stuff, like that's you know, that's cool if that's how they feel, but it's just nice to see that other people you know, really backed us. So um, that's really cool. Um, what are you up to for the week, mate? Uh, it's going to rain every day this week, apparently. Oh, really? Mm. <laughs> but no, uh, training will go on. We're not window trainers. No. Uh, so I'm just today sort of, we are today we are, <laughs> today we are. but uh, no it's pretty pretty low key week this week uh, I'll sort of uh, need to recover from last week even yeah. though you know uh, don't necessarily feel that bad I know that we um, probably hammered ourselves a bit there yeah so, well, we rode well we rode we had a good week so it was good very solid so pretty easy sort of Monday through to about Thursday and then uh, start to pick it up uh, over the weekend and uh, then put in another good week of training next week yeah but other than that. Nothing uh, revolutionary except probably watching the World Cup race this weekend on TV. Oh, nice. Um, on, not on TV, on, uh, on the internet. See us Kiwi boys uh, kicking ass. Nice. That's about it. What about you? Um, well, I'm off to Taipei this weekend. I'm off to Taipei for a week and uh, then I go to Auckland. And so uh, I've, got lots, I've got lots of work to do before I go there. Because <laughs> last week I did nothing, so this week I got a lot of work. So I'm doing a little bit of training and then lots and lots of work to go to Taipei. It's really funny because you go teach aerobics and they don't understand English. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so you've got to be really skilled when you do that kind of stuff. Um, and then that's pretty much it to put a bit of training in and then, yeah, bring it on. So uh, you guys, if you have any email questions, now our next show, because I'm off to Taipei, we're going to do it Friday. And we're just going to do mainly a questions and answers show. We will cover John's other topic in Coach's Corner. But other than that, we're just going to do questions and answers. So if you have any questions, get through to us by probably Thursday, really, if you want to get them answered. We have got a backlog of questions. So for those of you people who have been waiting to hear your answers, um, we'll get those covered next week's show. Um, so it's ironmantalk at gmail.com. If you want to go to our website, check out show notes. Also, that funny photo, it is ironmantalk.com. Um, John's coaching website triathloncoach.net uh, coffeesofhawaii.net is a good place to go to get your coffee needs exactly. fixed and uh, other than that you guys get out there and train well adios adios age cooper oh. of the week <laughs> you went for website I went for website oh that's uh, disappointing it's... mate you know done my piece today yeah, yeah, yeah. you're letting the team down out of order <laughs> so um Oh, the girlfriend's looking for the car keys. Back it up. <laughs>